Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is the hardest working man in the garage. Well, if he's not, he's definitely in the top two. He is the captain. All right, employee of the month. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. This week, I am very excited that we are featuring one of my favorite beers of this summer. I hope the horn section is ready because we are drinking Lost Marbles by Jackie O's Brewery Garage Grade 5 out of 5 bottle caps. And this week's fantastic beer is brought to us by longtime listeners of the show. First up, a cheers to Katie and Jose who are dancing the night away in Portland, Oregon. And a big cheers to Laura in Union Grove, Alabama. Next up, Captain, we have Brittany B. in the bourbon capital of the world, Bardstown, Kentucky. And a big shout out to Amy in Alma, Kansas. And next up, we have Camille from Denver. That's beautiful Denver, Colorado. And last, but certainly not least, we have Laura B. in the parts that are unknown. Everybody that we just mentioned went to truecrimegarage.com and they helped us out with this week's beer fund. And for that, we are thankful. Yeah, B-W-E-W-R-U-N, Beer Run. Hey, are you Team Captain or are you Team Nick? Well, here's your chance to get a Team Captain or Team Nick tank top. Don't miss out. It's on sale now. The pre-order ends soon. Everybody wants to be Captain of Team Captain. That's actually not true because <laughs> right now I'm losing. I didn't think I'd be losing, but I am definitely losing. Well, in the end, we're all winners. That's enough of the business. Everybody gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime.
It's a scene straight out of a horror flick. Some guy is using his telescope to spy on an attractive young woman from afar. This, of course, unbeknownst to her, as she sunbathes topless on a deserted stretch of beach. Then, he observes the unthinkable. A terrifying-looking man storms out of the woods. The man is carrying a revolver and might be wearing some kind of disguise. Like some kind of strange beast, he charges at the woman, yet she is unaware of his presence. The man reaches down and grabs a fistful of the young woman's hair, yanking her up to her feet. She begins to panic, and he drags her into the woods. And just like that, they are gone. What should the onlooker do? He is having a very difficult time trying to comprehend what he just so very quickly witnessed. Who was the young woman, and who was the man that grabbed her? Did they know each other? Was this some kind of prank, or possibly a domestic dispute? Or was this a very real and horrific abduction? What happened to the woman on the beach? This is True Crime Garage, and this is the case of Heather T. Heather Danielle Teague was born on April 25th, 1972. She is the oldest of four children. Her mother is Sarah Teague. We don't know anything about Heather's father. According to her mom, Heather was an honors student, a cheerleader, and a multi-sport athlete. She was the homecoming queen at Webster County High School. After graduating high school in 1990, living in Spotsville, Kentucky, It's not really clear what Heather did. There's some indication from Heather's mom, Sarah, that in 1995, Heather was struggling a little bit of late and that drugs may have been involved. Sarah told the Courier Press that Heather was dating a guy who was almost 20 years older than she. She had gotten into drugs, some things she didn't know how to get out of. According to Sarah, In the summer of 1995, Heather was trying to pull things together. She started taking classes at Western Kentucky University. But in the week leading up to her disappearance, Heather was fired from her job and ended up on her mother's couch. She seemed angry and unhappy. And during this period, she spent a good deal of time writing long, angst-filled poems and journaling. Heather was beautiful. She had long, dark, curly hair, green eyes, and a wide smile. During her teenage years, she won a few beauty pageants. She was also tiny at only 5 foot 2 inches tall and under 100 pounds. Heather suffered from scoliosis of the spine, meaning that her spine was curved. Now, where our story gets incredibly and dangerously bizarre is on a Saturday in the late summer. This is on August 26th, 1995. 
Heather decided to take advantage of some warm weather. She drove her little red car to the Newburgh Beach, which is along the old mighty Ohio River in Spotsville, but more importantly in Henderson County, Kentucky. Heather parked on private property. This is a farm that was often used by locals for parking to go hiking or down to the beach area, even though they were not supposed to park there. Yeah, most of the Ohio River will connect right to woods, mm-hmm. but there'll be like these little tiny beaches. So it's not like a, a beach that you would see in Florida that runs for miles and miles. They're just sometimes the size of uh, like a, a normal backyard. Mm-hmm. Or where a turn in the river occurs. Right. So Heather, after parking her car, she makes her way through this wooded area and then down a steep embankment and onto the beach near the water. She brought with her a beach chair and her bag. She set up her chair near the river and took off her red plaid shirt and her shorts, so now she's in her bikini. All set up, she decided to untie her bikini top and lie on her stomach and sun her back. Heather lay there just enjoying the beauty and the the quiet of the natural surroundings. Her solitude was interrupted by the sound of ATVs roaring nearby. From the way it looks, Captain, Heather was alone in her spot, but there were a decent amount of other people there near the water, but they were further down the beach. So she is kind of off in her own little world, if you will. But as we heard in the trailer, it seems like Heather was being watched. And of course, she was unaware of this. And we will have a lot to tear through later. But if she is, in fact, being watched, well, then she is being watched by. Is she being watched by more than one person? That's what I ask myself as we continue on. Meanwhile, across the Ohio River in Evansville, Indiana, A man named Tim Walthall was at his riverfront rental house. While his wife was making lunch for the two of them, Tim engaged in a hobby that he often did. This is gazing through his binoculars at the popular beach area across the river. Now, we don't know if Tim was checking out Heather or just people watching in general. Was it binoculars or was it a telescope? He starts with binoculars and it will end with a telescope. Mm. So he acknowledged later that he watched as what happened to Heather unfolded. But whatever the case, whatever he would be watching, we can't say for certain. So through his binoculars, movement attracted Tim's eyes. First, we have the four ATVs that were climbing the sand dunes near where the young woman lay on the beach. But Tim noticed something else that was far more interesting and rather concerning. In the very tall, dense trees surrounding the beach, he could see a person moving, and this person was advancing slowly toward the beach, hunched down and sneaking through the underbrush, occasionally popping up every five or six steps to peer over the weeds and the growth. As the person got closer, he could tell that the person who appeared to be sneaking through the woods was a man. This man paused to allow the ATVs to drive off. And by this point, he was about 15 feet away from the oblivious young woman. Tim said that his first thought 
was that his that this man was a friend or a boyfriend who was just sneaking up on her to scare her. He grabbed his high-powered telescope that sat nearby and trained it in on the scene across the river. He could see that the man approaching the girl was tall, with shaggy hair, and what looked to be a dark beard. Tim called to his wife, Karen, that someone was stalking a young woman on the beach. The man being watched by Tim suddenly bolted from the edge of the weeds into the chair of the sunbathing woman. He crouched down and he threw his arm over her back. The girl on the chair jerked. She was startled, but then she went still. The man grabbed her long hair, twisted it, and yanked her up. Now Tim could see why the girl had suddenly become passive. For the sunlight hit something that caused a shine, and then Tim focused in on the item that was in the man's hand, and it was a silver revolver. The girl was dragged off of the chair. She was no match for the strong man grasping her by the hair, and she was taken away off into the woods, dropping her towel at the edge of the tree line. Mm, plus he had a gun. Right. Tim could not hear, obviously could not hear anything from his vantage point across the river, but he could see the gun in the man's hand, and he watched in horror as this man grabbed Heather and marched her off into the woods. Even if he had yelled like a warning to the struggling girl or had screamed at the man brutalizing her, they very likely would not have heard him at all. Well, the Ohio River is pretty wide. Well, at this point, Captain, the shore across the river was at least a half mile away. So a good distance there. Tim could do nothing but watch helplessly as this young woman was abducted. So he calls the police. Now, this sounds like a pretty straightforward statement, right? Right. But there is nothing straightforward about this call, as we will see as we get into it. For now, staying on pace with the information that is coming out as it was coming out. So we will say that Tim waited about 20 or 25 minutes to phone the police. He said that he stood there and watched to see if the young woman would come back to retrieve her things and that she would be okay. But she never reemerged from the woods. And eventually he decided to call it in. One article in a local paper that we found reported that this woman was abducted at approximately 12.10 p.m. Another reported that it was around 1 o'clock. Heather's mother, Sarah, is on the record stating she has reason to believe the abduction took place at 12.30. The call from Tim came in at 1.15 p.m. So according to the Akron Beacon Journal, a trooper arrived at the Newburgh Beach 26 minutes after Tim's call to the Kentucky State Police. Depending on which article is right or who is right, right. we have anywhere from 41 minutes at the very least all the way up to 91 minutes had elapsed since the scary event and the sunbathing woman was long gone. So you think that there was a hesitation to call police? Well, he did say, he's been up front and forward about that, saying, you know, I didn't call immediately because he was pretty convinced that what he was seeing was just some kind of playful prank right. that these 
young adults or or teenagers were playing on one another that maybe the two were some kinds of friends when you're watching from that distance i mean i've never witnessed anything like this up close or even or even from that distance but i i don't know there there's got to be a bit of a shock factor right where you're not you're not really sure what you're seeing i guess when you live by the credo of see something say something Maybe you don't hesitate, but I think he was standing there watching, thinking that at some point he would see both of them come back to the beach area, and he'd go, oh, they're they just fooling around. Right. It's, it's not clear to us or I think anybody, because it's not like we're sitting um, from his vantage point or his viewpoint and knowing what kind of detail he, he was able to see. Uh, with his telescope. Well, and I don't want to get too far into this because it gets very convoluted very quickly, but there's also some, there's some belief that there, there were different phone calls that were made. And what I mean by that is we have a unique situation, right? Where we have something going on in Kentucky on one side of the river and somebody witnessing it on the other side of the river. And therefore it's a little, confusing as to who is to be called and who is to respond to such a call. Right. So that is part of the reason for this delay. However, you want to swing this hammer, man, it's either 41 minutes from the time that it's believed she was abducted all the way up to 91 minutes before anyone responds to this spot on the beach. Now found on that lonely stretch of the beach was Heather Teague's chair, her purse, shoes, shirt, shorts, and bikini top. And as said, her towel that she dropped right at the edge of the woods. Heather Teague has never been seen again that we are aware of. There's never been any credible sighting of her to this very day. Well, I think the simple thing would be if you saw something like this, you don't have to look up what department to call. You could just call 911. That seems like it make the most sense to me yeah and i think there's that's where people call into question the actions of the of our witness and who and who he called and why would he call whomever and and you know that's a that's a as said that's a very long convoluted story okay so what do you think about this uh peeping tom i don't know that i would i i don't know what he was doing that day i can't i i don't think it's I don't think it's fair to call him a peeping Tom. It's very odd that we're covering this case now because I just played on the Ohio river, different part uh, where Ohio is connected to Kentucky, but I could see somebody living in a cabin or, or something around there that that would just be something you would do uh, because you see boats go by, you see people set up, um, fire sites on the beach it might not be as creepy as him well i was uh looking for girls in bikinis mm-hmm. it could just be oh there's a bunch of people at the beach i wonder what they're doing right well and you know what some people are gonna gonna call me a creep or whatever i don't i actually don't even think that that's that big of a deal even if he was like hey i i purposely have these binoculars and this telescope here to check out some women on the beach i I don't see that big of a deal with it. It's a public area. If you're not doing, if you're doing something you don't want somebody to see you doing, maybe you should do that in private. So, but you're also doing this with your wife home. 
Right. I mean, I have a set of binoculars at my house, and I, I use them to check out things. No, I, right, I right. mean, I do. There, there's been times where I'm like, hey, ooh, what kind of car is that? Boom. Pick up the binoculars. If I were on the river, I would definitely have the binocs ready to rock. Um, well, that's what I'm saying. But when you see like a, we saw these really cool boats or we saw what almost looked like a, a mini yacht or something. And it's like from where I was at, like you couldn't make out any details, but it would have been cool to, to check it out from afar. So I worked in that high rise building downtown for years where many wealthy people lived. Yeah. And almost every one of them had a telescope either you know, near the door that led to their balcony. Nosy neighbors. And I would joking, you know, I'd have these conversations with, with the residents there. And some of them were very upfront about it. They're like, yeah, I love to go out on the balcony, have a little cocktail. And I just kind of look around through the telescope, see what's going on in the park or see what's going on down at the river or at these businesses at the, at the skyscrapers. And then there were other, other residents that said, I just leave it set up. I've never actually used it just for the funny conversations that it invokes when I have guests over. I believe Fraser Crane had one of these as well. That's right. And I think uh, on the Friends set, they had a telescope as well. That's right. And that that's the thing. A lot of people call this Tim guy a creep. I, I, don't, I don't see it, uh, but we, we march on. So he says, this is what he says that he witnessed, this terrifying event go down, as well as he described for the police the man he saw on the beach as a larger man. He says approximately six feet tall and about 220 to 230 pounds. The abductor had shaggy brown hair and a bushy dark beard. He was wearing cut off jeans, but no shirt and black sneakers. Tim sat down with a police sketch artist. I do want to clarify something real quick here. I said black sneakers. I have in my notes too that it, black sneakers or black boots. So I don't know what is more accurate, but I just wanted to make sure that I brought that up. Tim sat down with a police sketch artist and they were able to generate a drawing of the man Tim saw the, the quick description captain is our perp is a paunchy white guy with shaggy hair and a scraggly beard. Now, one very weird thing here to me is the exact time of when this sketch was made is very unclear and should be called into question and will be once we have some more of the, of the details here. It looks like the police did not doubt Tim's story, the witness's story. As we know, they responded to the call. They did search the area Heather's red car was found parked near the spot on the beach, her spot on the beach through that wooded area. Mm -hmm. They did their thing. You know, they ran the plate and figured out that the vehicle belonged to, and they, they figured out that it belonged to Heather Teague. And I'm guessing here, captain, but based off of Tim's description of our abducted victim and the description of the vehicle's owner, the responding officers are probably making a connection here. So our missing person is very likely this Heather Teague. And somehow they managed to track down her mother, Sarah. Now, Sarah said that she and another daughter were out that day until about 3 p.m. And then they got a phone call from the Henderson County Sheriff's Office 
asking if they knew where Heather was. They told her that they found her car at the beach. Sarah and her second daughter, Holly, went to the scene where they met with the Kentucky State Police and identified the things found as belonging to Heather. Sarah said she was horrified to see Heather's blue chaise lounge chair sitting empty on the beach. As we said, police took Tim Walthall at his word about what he had witnessed on the beach. Kentucky State Police Trooper Larry Abel was quoted in the Billings Gazette as saying, quote, this guy rents this place and looks across and sees this. It's very shocking. He's really helped us in this case. If we did not have him, we'd have a missing persons case instead of what we have now. The trooper very simply stating that we know that this is not just a missing persons case because we have a witness. We know that we're dealing with an abduction. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get 
their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, mates, cheers. That's right. Cheers to everybody out there. Cheers to you, Captain. Cheers to me because True Crime Garage has partnered with Magellan TV and the Cold Case Foundation to help fund an investigation in hopes of helping victims and maybe even closing out a case. For the remainder of July, for every person that signs up for a free trial with Magellan TV, a $10 donation will be made to the Cold Case Foundation. Please go to MagellanTV.com slash cold dash case and sign up today. Watch some cool true crime documentaries for free and help us help the Cold Case Foundation. Our witness, Captain, this Mr. Tim, seems to have been very involved in the case. It didn't just stop with him giving a statement and helping to create the composite sketch. No, he met with the family and participated in searches for the missing young woman. These searches for Heather that took place over the coming days and weeks were organized by Heather's mom, Sarah, and multiple volunteers 
as well as law enforcement. The beach and the surrounding areas were combed by professionals looking for any clues to aid them in the solving the mystery of Heather's abduction. Well, but they also had to talk to anybody else that was on the beach that day, right? That's right. The other thing we did is we had divers check the river itself. A helicopter using infrared sensors scanned the area from overhead. Horseback riders crisscrossed the surrounding land looking for really any signs of Heather at all. Well, when they search the river, though, they're only searching uh, probably right in front of the beach. I mean, this this is a big river. This would be a lot to search. Yeah, it's, it's the Ohio. It spans oh. many states and then goes into the uh, Mississippi. Now, dogs were brought in as expected. They tracked Heather's scent, this into the woods and then to the parking area where they lost the trail. Okay, but let's stop there because we have an eyewitness saying that he saw a man take her into the woods and we have some proof of that because of the dogs. Mm -hmm. Because of all of these efforts, the investigators based off of the evidence that they are working on, they're working with a theory now that Heather either got into or based off of our witness, his statement was most likely forced into a vehicle and then moved away from that area. Mm -hmm. Of note, a dark pickup truck was seen parked at the beach that day, but of course, so were a lot of other vehicles. Meanwhile, police were canvassing the area to try to find any additional witnesses, as you stated, who could help them pinpoint what happened to Heather. Newburgh Beach was described in articles as usually very busy, with several hundred people gathering there on weekend days. Most of the stories described it as a rough and tumble spot where locals partied. Sometimes we have drugs and alcohol involved, and often there were fights. Kentucky State Police Trooper Abel voiced... What do you mean there was fights? What do you mean? Fights at the beach? Yeah, people fight at the beach. Oh, it's like Karate Kid. Remember, this is not like a this is not like Fight Club where they're scheduling the fights. It's just a lot of people in an area together. There are drugs and alcohol involved, and sometimes people fight one another. Well, just to be clear, the UFC now has Fight Island, so, right? No, so this is like Karate Kid, like where they go down to the beach, we're having a little fire, and then uh, Daniel's son is going to take on Lawrence. So the Associated Press on August thirtieth stated that there were about five to 600 people there that afternoon. Wow. And what we have is basically nobody saw anything in regards to the abduction of Heather, other than this Tim guy on the other side of the river, or if they did see something for whatever reason possible, I couldn't imagine what that would be. They didn't come forward to say anything. But again, maybe it's like he was saying, he didn't know at first if it was like a violent attack or a playful attack. So maybe it was a little playful at first or she knew this individual and the person was joking around and and that's why nobody paid attention to it. Yeah, I they may not have paid attention, may not have seen her. As said, right. it sounds like she's off in, a, in this little area almost by herself. Right. And people are busy doing their own thing, right? They're not they're not all strapped with binocs and, and telescopes and checking everything else. I'm just saying if somebody out. was 
10 feet away and somebody grabbed their hair as violent as he's claiming that I think I would have heard a girl scream, you know, or say, help me or something. Mm -hmm. And the, this article will say that Heather was lying in an area about 500 feet away from the part of the beach that was the most popular. She was in an isolated spot near the end of the beach, close to the woods. And that is how she was taken without anyone on the beach noticing. It's still pretty mind boggling that this could all occur right under the noses of others on that same beach in broad daylight. And the only witness is half a mile away across the water. Finally, investigators found that there was someone who had been there that day that might be able to provide helpful information. According to the Associated Press, local farmers were disgruntled because beachgoers and ATV riders were tearing up their land and leaving trash behind, namely broken bottles, litter, sometimes drug paraphernalia. Do you know who litters, Captain? That would be people without a future. (laughs) I was going to say, real pieces of shit. So these farmers, they hired an insurance adjuster, a local guy, to videotape the area so they could try to pin down the source of this destructive behavior. This man fixed his camera on the entrance to the beach area. The video, amongst other activities, showed Heather driving into the lot, parking her car, and walking down to the beach. But there was something else of interest on the video, which was disclosed later. This was not the abduction itself, but it was a possible clue. Driving by Heather's car was a red and white Ford Bronco. Police released a description of the vehicle and the composite drawing made by Tim released this to the public and asked for help identifying the man and the vehicle. And they got a phone call from a man who reported that his neighbor drove a red and white Bronco. And that neighbor also resembled the composite sketch of the suspect. The Bronco driver named by the tipster was 30-year-old ex-con Marvin Ray Dill, a.k.a. Marty, who lived in nearby Pool. His name was on a list obtained by police of local drivers who had Broncos registered in their names. Police publicly released Marty Dill's driver's license photo in which he had shaggy, unkempt hair and a scraggly beard. And Tim Wathall believed that the man he saw on the beach that day looked like the photo of Marty Dill that he was shown by police. Mm-hmm. This is where we must mention, Captain, that the driver's license photo shown to Tim our eyewitness, and released to the public? Well, it was nine years old. It was a nine-year-old photo, which makes sense, right? Because you only renew your life, your driver's license every 10 or 15 years, right? Yeah, or right. every 20 years. Right. So, no, of course not. So this makes zero sense, actually. But it's the information that we have, so we roll on. Regardless, now our suspect has a name and a face, and it's time to go looking for a one Marty Dill. Dill lived in a mobile home on his family's 28-acre property in Poole, Kentucky, 
His red and white Bronco was found parked nearby, hidden in some brush. Hey, Dill. Hey, Dill. Come, come out with your hands up. Hey, Dillweed. Hey, Dill. According to reports, the Bronco had been cleaned recently. I, I don't know what that means. We, you know, we're always suspicious of that. People state that, like, yeah, he cleaned his car recently, and I get it. I get why we're suspicious because he's become under the uh, microscope there. But but he could have just took it through a car wash or something. It doesn't mean he cleaned the inside. Maybe some of the good people just clean their cars once in a while. Yeah. I mean, I clean my car every week, so you'd think, like, I'm not, you know, committing a crime every week. I think what is more interesting is the statement of the Bronco was found parked hidden behind some brush. Like it doesn't appear to be parked where one would normally park their vehicle. He's gone out of his way to kind of conceal it. Now, according to the reports, uh, we have police and FBI that surrounded the mobile home armed with a search warrant. And Dill's uncle, who just so happened to be a Henderson cop, his name is Ernie Green. He went inside to, you know, kind of calm things down, seemingly diffuse the situation and talk with Marty. After he was inside for a while with Marty, a single shot rang out. Marty Dill lay dead on the floor, having shot himself. Dill was dead of suicide before anyone could question him about Heather Teague and his possible involvement in her abduction. Of course, Dill's abrupt suicide made him appear to have a rather guilty conscience, and investigators were confident that he was their man. For one thing, he had a record. In fact, when Heather Teague was taken, Dill was out on probation f after a drug conviction. Well, see, if you get caught doing anything else, you're going to go back to jail, and that's probably a place that Dill doesn't want to be. He was arrested in February of 1995 in Evansville after police received reports from residents that he was cruising in his Bronco and soliciting young girls for sex. When he was arrested in his truck, this is, this is some scary business. They found marijuana. That's not scary, but they found two loaded handguns, rubber gloves, duct tape, and rope. That's when he was trying to pick women up. He's and the the He's notes. Like, hey, you, you want to give me some sex? I'll pay you for some sex. Well, the but notes the I car, have, Captain, have... is is young girls hmm. that he's approaching young girls in in his vehicle, and he's got loaded handguns, rubber gloves, duct tape, and rope. But he's offering money for sex. I don't know that. I don't know that that is in fact. Okay, the, so the he's situation. just cruising up, sees these girls. So we're guessing under 18 and he has gloves, rubber gloves, duct tape as a murder kit. Right. That's what I would classify this as. We do have Dill who is a carpenter by trade. So maybe one could explain okay, away on some of these you items. You should lead with that. That he's a carpenter. He's a carpenter by trade. So they found these items in his vehicle. Right, but that doesn't explain away two loaded handguns. No, it, it that, might no, it, or the, or the marijuana. It covers you probably on duct tape and rope and rubber gloves. But then then my question goes: Okay, if these items were used for your trade, 
Where are the other items for your trade? Where's the where's the hammer that you're swinging, man? Where's the uh, power tools? Where's the other things? No, we just have Look, loaded in, handguns. Yeah, but in fairness, he was too high to do any carpentry work, you know? Well, he gets convicted on, on a couple of different charges here. He's sentenced to five years after pleading guilty. But then the judge let him out on something called shock probation. This is after serving 40 days. So he did serve some actual time, but the shock probation basically is when it's when you have an offender sit in jail for some amount of time and then suspend the rest of the sentence in favor of probation. It's really designed to deter the person from wanting to reoffend and go back to jail. You will see this sometimes with, with people that are first time offenders. Right. The other thing, though, too, it was later revealed that Dill had another conviction from 1993 for harassing a woman. This stems from some events back in 92. This is when Dill repeatedly called a woman and asked to speak to her boyfriend. That doesn't sound like there's that's not a (laughs) big deal, right? He's calling to speak with her boyfriend and asking to speak with her boyfriend where the harassment gets ramped up a couple of notches is the boyfriend is deceased. That's very strange. Yeah. According. So, so Dill, Dillhead, right? Dillweed. Dillweed is calling a girl and he's saying, Hey, let me talk to your boyfriend. And she's saying, Hey, my boyfriend's dead. And he's like, Hey, let me talk to your boyfriend. Something like that. Yeah. According to strange this woman, that wasn't the uh, that wasn't the all of it. She said that that Dill would follow her sometimes on dates and then later would call her and tell her where she was and what she had been wearing, you know, letting her know, hey, I was out there watching you and I can prove it because I saw you here and I saw you wearing this. And he would say things to her, according to her, mm-hmm. that. You know, if I wanted to, I could hurt you. And he also made some references to sexually sadistic acts. If you want to really scare somebody, you, you don't say, you know what, I can, I can hurt you. You say stuff like, you know what, on Sundays I could do your laundry. Well, the Louisville Courier Journal mm-hmm. reported that friends and relatives of Dills suspected that he had, in fact, kidnapped Heather Teague, but apparently was too frightened to come forward. So we know there's eyewitnesses that saw Dill's Bronco at the beach that day or in that area that day. And we know that he has priors and we know that he has uh, the ability to have guns. Do we have any evidence that he still had guns? Well, what we do have is the statements of his friends and family who believe that he might have been involved in some manner. We do have Dill's wife who hired a lawyer before Dill. This is even before the police were on to Dill in regards to Heather's abduction. At some point, Dill's wife was questioned by police, and immediately afterward, Dill was kind enough to kick her out of their home. Real gentlemen. After Heather went missing, Dill conveniently started parking his Bronco in the woods behind his mobile home. This is according to, again, neighbors, friends, family. So now we have a working theory that Marty Dill abducted Heather Teague, 
killed and disposed of her and managed to clean up most of the evidence before police tracked him down and then kill himself in a crisis of conscience. Well, if that were just that simple, then captain, I would be off for tacos on a patio somewhere right now. But we start to learn that maybe the case against Dill is not so cut and dried. Dill's relatives told investigators that his suicide could have been motivated by factors other than guilt. Dill didn't want to go back to jail, as you pointed out, since he was still on probation and he was still operating his pot growing business. He had a little pot growing business going on. Right. And plus he's having obviously relationship problems with his wife. When police arrived, he took himself out instead and police processed Dill's Bronco and found two drops of blood inside the vehicle. There are different reports out there about where in the vehicle these were located, but most reports say on the inside of the tailgate. Hey, what's the deal with Broncos and drops of blood inside them? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Hey, um, what's the deal? Don't, don't, this is not another opportunity for a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I've been down this road a few times. And the friend. Ford Bronco. Right. One spot was ruled, one of these spots of blood was ruled out as belonging to Heather Teague. The other was inconclusive. Police also connected numerous fibers and according to Sarah, her mother, a hair uh, to Heather Teague. But the Kentucky State Police said that since they had no victim, they could not compare the hair to Heather's. And I'm sorry, that just does not seem kosher, does it? We know in a lot of yeah. cases, somebody goes missing, they go to the home of the missing person and collect items of that person there at the home. And then they can use it to compare. Well, look, if, if people aren't updating their driver's license for every 10 years, maybe people are not combing their hair for for five years. Well, and what we have here, Captain, is we have her mother who questions why the Kentucky State Police never asked her for a sample of Heather's hair, which, again, surely could have been found or retrievable from a hairbrush in the home. Right. Let's pause for a second, right? So we, we know that his vehicle was there, or we assume he was with that vehicle. So he's in the area. He is a, a creep. He has some priors. He has the capability of having guns. So this is something that he could have done if you find a drop of blood in his Bronco or some hair, which you think you would find at something because if the eyewitness is correct and this individual grabbed her hair as hard as they said they did, you would think that you'd find at least a couple strands of hair in the vehicle. And if that matched, then it's not too hard to go one plus one equals two. Well, and the other thing, too, for all these people, for anybody that would have access to that arrest report of him carrying those guns in his in his vehicle. Yeah, I'd be interested to know it. Do either of those guns match the description given by our witness of the gun that was used in the abduction? Yeah. So really what we have here, Captain, is somebody that looks very interesting on the surface, but we 
technically have no conclusive forensic evidence linking Dill to Heather Teague. Is it more likely that he did a horrible crime like abducting a woman and killing her and then that's what he would commit suicide over? But they're trying to make it seem like, oh, well, the he knew the police were on to him about marijuana. You see what I mean? I know what you're getting at, which makes the more sense. But then I, you also have to factor in, do we have a situation where, where somebody is struggling with a lot of other things that we right, are, right. we don't know about, we, we, we are unaware of, we don't understand. And this is a high stretch stress situation that pushed him over the edge. Right. The other problematic fact in this case is that Marty Dill did not have shaggy hair as described by our eyewitness. But we saw the the ID. You're right. We did the nine-year-old driver's license. Right. So what happened to his shag hair? From my understanding, Dill was nearly bald at the time of the abduction and did not have a beard when Heather was abducted. So this is according to his family. Investigators surmised that maybe he cut his hair and shaved his face after the abduction after the emer- after the murder to alter his appearance but his family members told police that in fact dill was bald and clean shaven for months leading up to the abduction again what does every press conference tell us when we have a missing person or we have to be on the lookout for a suspect they always say the change of behavior in the last couple months and the change of hairstyle or beard style. So maybe his family is correct, but it also makes it sound like, oh, well, for the last few months, he, he was clean shaven head and, and face. So at some point he was still holding on to the locks upstairs. Even if he was going bald, when, when's the last time he had a beard? Was it normally like that? Well, and, get- and maybe they're just wrong. And it was, just for the last few weeks and not the last few months. Yeah, but you know who's going to agree with them that's going to make it very difficult for a case against Dill? The people that are going to agree with him will be the county because Dill's jail admission report from April of 1995, four months before Heather was taken, lists him as bald. Ah. He is also five foot ten inches tall and a hundred and eighty pounds, not the six foot, which I don't put a whole lot of weight into the right, six right, foot right. thing because the guy is half a mile away. Yeah, looking with a telescope. And the hefty two twenty to two twenty, I'm sorry, two twenty to two thirty pounds, as described by Tim. Right. Maybe if you get the height wrong, you got the weight wrong as well. So I don't factor that in a whole lot, but I find it very interesting that the county that released him when they release him, they say this man is bald. And then we have the family saying he's been bald and clean shaven for several months leading up to this abduction. These are also the same people that say, yeah, I understand why he's a suspect. Yeah. But here's my other issue though. Is it possible that this guy had a wig and is it possible that it wasn't actually, uh, maybe it was a mask, right? Mm -hmm. It, It could be like, Think about a ski mask. Let's say he was wearing a ski mask. From a distance, it would look like the individual had a beard and a full set of hair. 
Right. So that's all I'm saying. Or was he wearing, you know, some type of a toboggan and then wearing some face mask or something? I'm I'm just saying that there's a bunch of possibilities that we can't just rule him out because, oh, well, he actually had clean shaven. Well, again, maybe he had a baseball hat on with a mask or or maybe he had a toboggan on or a ski mask on. But we, I mean, we don't have a witness saying that he was wearing a ski mask, but uh, he could have yeah, been wearing again, some our, type of our, disguise. The problem with the witness, even though they had a telescope, um, they're, they're at a really far distance. Then maybe that witness shouldn't describe the face to, <laughs> to law enforcement so that they can draw the composite sketch of, of the, uh, the, the man that he says abducted the young woman. No, I'm just saying that we, we have to take that into account you know you want to take this this is the only eyewitness we have we want to take all the information all the details we can but i think some of the information you have to just go well maybe he saw this maybe he didn't i mean he the eyewitness is telling you i initially thought this seemed like a a, a playful act so that, that's all i'm saying is we we have to keep that in perspective all right, Captain, bring in the grand jury because the prosecutors convened a grand jury on November 7th, 1995 to try to force reluctant witnesses like Marty Dill's son to testify in an attempt to conclusively determine that Dill had killed Heather Teague. Tracy Dill, Marty's widow, was among the witnesses subpoenaed. Henderson County Commonwealth's attorney, Bill Markwell said, quote, they have a suspect and it's Marty Dill, end quote. But something came out in connection with this grand jury that was new information. A Reed, Kentucky resident named Michelle Morgan told police she saw a woman she believed to be Heather Teague struggling with a man in a car in Reed, Kentucky. This was around 2.30 or 3 p.m. on the day Heather was taken from the beach which we stated was around 12.30 or 1 o'clock. The car Morgan witnessed was traveling eastbound on Kentucky 811, driving away from Newburgh Beach. Morgan's description of the man seen with the struggling woman matched the composite drawing with longer hair and a shaggy beard. The woman, Morgan said, clearly did not want to be in that car, which was a silver and red 1979 or 1980 Chevette. An article in the Messenger Courier newspaper appearing at the end of October 1995 read, another suspect has surfaced in the August abduction of a 23-year-old woman, but County Attorney Markwell denied that any new suspects had emerged. It's not clear what became of the grand jury, but we do know dead Marty Dill's wife, Tracy, took the fifth. The Kentucky State Police kept the case open but told Sarah Teague that Marty Dill killed her daughter and that was the end of it. Yeah, but this is far from over. Yes, it is. It's one of This is one of those cases that when you look into it, you can often find many very quick, short summaries of a young woman alone on a beach who was abducted, and this is reported to police by the witness. And a lot of times, that's about as far as it goes, right? Yeah. But this story, this case, is very 
complicated. And it's got a lot of twists and turns along the way. And regardless of what police told the mother back then, we know, Captain, that this wasn't the end. When Heather was taken, Heather's mom, Sarah, went into activist mode. Even though the prime suspect, Marty Dill, was dead, she was, at the time and still is to this day, determined to find her daughter. She started organizing many, many searches. Now, anniversaries of Heather's disappearance came and went. For the first year, active searches continued with family, friends, and volunteers scouring hundreds of miles of river bottomlands, looking in every cistern, field, and barn they could find. They've searched abandoned buildings and motel rooms. One year after the abduction, the Kentucky State Police acknowledged that they had exhausted all leads. And despite the efforts of her family, no trace of Heather has ever been found. Anyone that knows this case knows that Heather's mom, Sarah Teague, made it her mission to find her daughter, and she pinpointed Tracy Dill. This is Marty Dill's wife in her quest for information, for more information. In 1996, Tracy Dill filed a lawsuit against Sarah for harassment, saying that the desperate mother had plied her with eight letters demanding information about what her deceased husband may have done. Sarah said she had no choice but to go directly to Tracy, since Tracy would not testify about what she knew. Remember, she took the fifth with the grand jury. Right. Jurors acquitted Sarah. And the trial failed to bring any new information to light. Tracy Dill testified that she had no knowledge in response to the defense attorney's questions, which were as follows. Whether she knew where Heather Teague is, whether she helped clean Marty's truck, whether Heather had been raped or trafficked, and whether she knew why neighbors reported hearing a woman screaming near the Dill residence on the night Heather vanished. And for more True Crime Garage, check us out. All of our episodes are available exclusively on the Stitcher app. And check out our bonus show called Off the Record. Also, for more True Crime Garage, join us back here tomorrow in the garage where we pick up where we left off with this week's case. Until then, be good, be kind, and don't litter. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. 
There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.